look, if you want to sit in a hammock, we don't care as long as the work gets done. You know, if you're punching through your Trello list or solving your GitHub issues, you're not going to get any complaints out of us. And I thought that is the way to handle it right there. Measure based on value, not based on time. Value is what's important. Time's irrelevant. This is Tectonic, a weekly talk show revolving around the seismic shifts in technology, culture, and the digital age. Hello, I am Joe Darnell, and you're listening to episode number 41, and with me is my friend, Mr. Joshua Pfeiffer. Hey, Joshua. Hey, good evening. It's a weekend edition? Yeah, weekend. Yes. How in the world did that happen? <laughs> weekend edition? What happened? Uh, um, it was a day-long Skype lag. That's what I'm going to blame it on. <laughs> you got to confess, or I will call you out. Okay, okay. Ah, oh, dragging it out of me. Well, I was in Atlanta having a big dinner. My brother made me do it. And I was eating a, a huge piece of banana cream pie. La- had lamb chops for supper. Um, it was a family affair. Bringing in the new year. <laughs> right. So, so you would have made it for a Thursday recording for a Friday release if it weren't for the pie. Yeah, yeah. But there's proof of it on Instagram. So everybody could share in and enjoy the pie. I, I hope it was a good pie. You know what? It was okay, but it wasn't as good as my mom's banana pudding. <laughs> Just going to put that out there. All right. Well, let's go ahead and introduce our guest. <laughs> What's your thoughts on pie, Josh? Hey, pie is good, but it's got to be the right kind. <laughs> <laughs> not, yeah, not the chops banana cream pie. With us is Josh Lambert. You just heard his voice. Hi, Josh. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. And yourself? Doing well because this is the end of Friday and I'm podcasting. It's, uh, I'm in the zone. Hey, being in the zone is better than being out of the zone, so I say we'll go with it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hashtag in the zone, not out of it. <laughs> you are a an entrepreneur. You are a developer. You have lots of experience under your belt, and you have an interesting product I wanted to talk about today. You're a Mac and a PC, and so much more. Uh, Josh, how do you explain yourself? So I tell people I'm a JavaScript ninja. That's pretty much my, that's my, my call sign. I'm the JavaScript ninja, right? But so, so you got JavaScript.ninja and I can go there and that's your website. You know, that's a, that's a good idea. I should consider that. Of course, now that domain's probably taken because you guys are quick at the draw, uh, right? Just bought it. Boom. Yeah. No, actually it's already taken. Somebody else has it. A good answer to say would be, I'm, I'm sort of a technology, uh, a technology buff in it. That can illustrate itself in many different areas. So I love to program. I love to put my hands on networks, build solutions, pretty much all over the board on that. My main trade that mm. earns the bread and butter, though, that'd be coding. So uh, computer programmer, uh, computer enthusiast, technology enthusiast, all of the above. You got like a, some sort of master's or something from like Harvard, right, to do all that coding work? Yeah, we call it the master's degree from the College of Hard Knocks, all right? Uh, but it works. It gets you, it gets you jobs, gets you in the door. So if it works, mm. it works for me. Chief cook and bottle washer and developer. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I've known Josh for a little bit uh, via online stuffs. And, uh, you know, I just really appreciate uh, him and, and folks like him who uh, don't go the traditional route, say, you know, I've, I've, I've got things to add to the world and I'm just going to go do it. And I'm not going to, you know, waste time, you know, wasting your, 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 uh, your brain in classes that are useless and just go out there and actually learn something and, and be productive and uh, glad to have you on the show. Well, Hey, it's a pleasure to be here. I've enjoyed following the show and uh, I look forward to talking to you guys about what I'm up to these days. 
I am in the minority here. I guess I'm your favorite person, Josh. Joshua. Oh, this is going to get confusing fast. Haven't we done this before? Do we have a Josh? I think we've had a Josh. We've had Josh's and we've had Joe's. It's been very challenging. It's unfortunate. Okay, so I'm going to name you Joshua and our guest is Josh. Roger that. I'm going to try and keep up with that. Yeah, I must be your favorite person, Joshua, because I'm the only guy among us. Yeah, didn't go to college, didn't even consider it. Went right into the workforce. It's done well for me. I'm very happy. <laughs> so Josh, number two, besides the computer programming, what other things uh, strike your fancy? Uh, one of the things I already mentioned, you're an entrepreneur and you take that uh, very aggressively and you're not, so you're not working for the man. You don't have a day job behind a desk where you're developing for other pe other people in a jobby job sort of experience. So what are your aspirations exactly? And how far do you want to take them? Now that's a fantastic question. So I love to see people's faces light up when I can take a really complicated process and simplify it with technology. I think of an example where I work in a space, in the nursing home space, and you'll encounter an activity director that spends uh, two days getting their calendars created and distributed throughout the facility. Uh, I like to take a really complicated process like that, break it down into something that can be done in, say, 10 minutes. <laughs> and so I really feed on that. I'm a, I love to take problems and simplify them and apply technology in ways that can change everything. Uh, as far as long-term aspirations, I love business. I love the process involved with building business. And uh, I want to be able to employ people, put them to work, and show them what technology can do for them, even in the middle of a rural Alabama town that uh, no one will ever remember, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> we'll all remember it as this is the place where Josh Lambert held from. Exactly. So, there'll be monuments. All the monuments in town will be all about you. So I've joked before that I was going to name every building or every business I start after my wife. Uh, she doesn't like people who butcher words up. Uh, her name's Kylie. So I said, well, Kylie, we could do uh, Kylie's Coffee and spell it with a K. And of course, I get a look. No, you can't do that, right? <laughs> I said, we could do a bake <laughs> shop and call it Kylie's Confections. And it just goes on and on. Grown. <laughs> uh, so it may not be named after me, but I may name it after my wife. We'll see. Smart move. Smart move. So are you interested in coffee too? Uh, do I need to have a conversation about coffee? Yeah, we, we might should. Uh, I tell everybody, you know, uh, I like to crack the old joke that I'm a programmer. I turn coffee into code, right? I love coffee. I've been following your work over on the Top Brew podcast. I thought it was great that somebody did a podcast devoted to coffee. Mm. So I get all excited and I start telling my friends, hey, you got to check out this podcast. It's all about coffee. And pe people look at me and say, there are podcasts devoted just to coffee. You're a nerd, aren't you? <laughs> yes, I am. I love coffee. <laughs> What else? This is what programmers do. What what else are they going to entertain their mind with when they're writing code? You know, I actually can't do much writing and listen at the same time. Can you guys? No, I mean, I I, I prefer music without words if I'm actually doing any sort of concentration work. So, yeah, some classical or something like that. Yeah, so I have to listen to music. Uh, that's pretty much. I keep Spotify busy, and I use that to get through the workday. Very much love to listen to music. Yeah, my thing is I, I listen to podcasts any moment I can, but if I do anything that approaches writing, then I got to turn to music and or nothing to silence. And it's golden. But I spend so much time with graphic design work that I can listen to five or six podcasts a day while I'm in Photoshop or something like that. Bet you all envy me. <laughs> Josh, in Spotify, you feel like that's keeping you productive? 
Uh, Spotify does keep me pretty productive. If I can get in the groove, you'll hear mm. some people, they'll exercise. They'll work to the beat. They'll exercise to the beat. Yeah, pretty much code to the beat. <laughs> nice. Uh, so very much of a fan of like, you know, got to get some rock music going or some soundtracks or something. Then you can get through those uh, those troublesome work days, right? Yeah. See, I have noticed that the grass is greener over at Spotify. I just, I'm trying to make Apple Music work for me. And I'm actually considering a trip to the Genius Bar tomorrow because I had this horrible experience that all started, I think it was two or three days ago. Uh, I, Michael Hurley, had to go and share uh, something from Apple Music on Twitter, and I wanted to hear it. And I selected it, and then into the, from the Twitter link, it said, well, you can't listen to this because it's only available in the UK store, and you're in the US store. And then I thought about it, and I was like, oh, that's ridiculous. And then it actually gave me the op the uh, option right then and there on the iPhone. Do you want to change your store? <laughs> and I thought, well, I have Apple Music. Uh, what harm can it do? And so I, I said, yes. And it switched me to the UK store. And then the link wouldn't work. And I tried the link again and it wouldn't work. And I, I just scratched my head, restarted the app. It wouldn't work. I was like, ah, okay, forget about it. And so then I went into my kitchen. I wanted to play some music while I was making lunch. And I went to one of my favorite playlists, hit play. Sorry, you can't listen to this music because it's not available in the UK store. Really? <laughs> so it sounds like Apple built like a giant wall around the US store, sort of like some presidential candidates want to do that. <laughs> Oh, guys, I can't, I cannot solve the problem because now it says, uh, I, I'm actually kind of scared now because it's like, well, what are you going to do to all of my, to all of my music? And when I try to go to the U S store, it specifically says you're going to lose everything on Apple music. If you go back to the U S store, because we first have to cancel your Apple music subscription. Do you want to do this? Wow. And it, and it didn't give you all those scary things going to the UK? No, Goodness. it didn't. <laughs> so, so I'm taking a trip to the Apple store tomorrow against my will. I blame the Brits. Well, see, that's funny because I was this close to switching to Apple Music. I mean, I was going to pull the trigger because I really loved the, the Apple ecosystem and experience on all the other apps, right? It just made sense to give Apple Music a try, but I haven't pulled the trigger yet. All my music and playlists are not going to go with me, right? So hearing a story like that, now I'm kind of going, eh, I wonder if it's worth it. You'll have to keep us posted on how that visit goes. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to stick it out long term, see what happens over the years, because I've run into many problems over the years with iTunes. I mean, it's never been always pretty. I mean, there's there are times when it feels like everything just works, and then that it legendarily gets out on the internet and everybody expects it to be true all the time. And it's not, it never has been guys have been using Apple computers since 93 and anybody that has that kind of experience knows that no Apple computers didn't always just work. So we're not facing any more problems today than we ever did before. And there's just ups and downs as it affects different kinds of programming uh, programs as different programs within Apple get more attention than others. And right now it seems like, the Apple Music sphere is, yeah, kind of screwed up, but I expect them to get their act together because they have so many users. And if they think that they're going to get that, they're going to be able to keep that just because they got another thing coming. Spotify is always there and they're ready to take those customers. Yeah, I think I've, I've, I've seen that they got, what, 10 million subscribers, Apple Music, 
Does anyone know how many Spotify has? It's uh, it's pretty high, but I, I've heard that they've steadily grown. I just didn't hear any recent figures. Spotify didn't release any recent figures. Mm. They've just uh, made the claim that they continue to grow. Interesting. Well, Joshua, getting things back to you and uh, down to the brass tacks, how do you get your work done? Uh, what does business look like to you these days? So that's a pretty good question. I'll encounter a problem. Either somebody will come to me and say, hey, we need you to fix this, or I'll spot an opportunity that I want to jump on. And normally that's going to be where we start off with a discussion. I'll go and meet with them or try to identify what exactly it is they're struggling with and how we can work out from that. And this this concerns your your consulting work and your client work as well. This would encompass everything. I mean, the, the ultimate uh, drive of an entrepreneur is to spot a problem and fix it. So I'm either fixing somebody's problems that they've come to me to fix as a consultant or I'm fixing problems that I think need to be fixed as an entrepreneur. But it's the same basic idea. Uh, you become an expert problem spotter. It's not just about solving problems. It's about spotting problems, right? Be your own salesman. We have somebody here that's struggling with you know, something real basic, like how do I transfer files from one computer to another in a city hall, right? <laughs> well, that's a problem. We'll work on the way to, to solve that in a, a pretty clean solution. So it starts out with meeting, getting aware of the problem, and then we work out from there and, and building the solution to the problem. It might be programming. It might be tracking down another consultant, uh, writing code, installing programs, doing something. Typically starts about like that. Step one is always problem spotting. Uh, then and only then do we work on problem solving. <laughs> um, and that, that could be anything depending on the client and depending on what we're dealing with at that time. So you work in an office environment with your clients or do you work primarily out of home? So it's about half and half. I'll spend some of the time out in the field with the clients, or I'll be in the house working out of my home office, coding here at my desk. Sometimes I can't deal with this anymore and I'll go outside and sit in the yard, right? In a camping chair, because you can do that now. Yeah. It'd be pretty comical sitting out there with my uh, my MacBook and you'll get people honking at you as they drive by. They don't know what's going <laughs> on, but work's getting done, right? Uh, beauty of the age we live in. This is the 21st century. This is the way we do. Exactly. I had one employer who actually didn't like that. They said, we want you at your desk. And I was trying to understand if I bring more value to you outside, does it really matter where I'm sitting? Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, right. That's the problem with working remotely and working from home and everybody wants to find a freelancer, but then they expect them to work in the office. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get it either. I enjoyed the one interview where the, the folks told me, they said, look, if you want to sit in a hammock, we don't care as long as the work gets done. You know, if you're punching through your Trello list or solving your GitHub issues, you're not going to get any complaints out of us. And I thought that is the way to handle it right there. Measure based on value, not based on time. Value is what's important. Time's irrelevant. You know, you're not the first person to bring up GitHub and everybody seems to know what GitHub is and takes for granted that everybody else knows what GitHub is. But I am a, a designer, and I I look over into the other side, the the other cubicle on the internet, if you will, and I see those people talking about GitHub, and it seems to be such a big deal to you developers. Do you mind explaining GitHub to some lowly designer like me? Certainly. So uh, you have a concept called version control, all right, where files are tracked. So that's like time machine. That's a pretty good way to look at it. It's time machine for computer programs. So every change <laughs> you make is logged with a, a history. So you don't have scenarios where developers are editing on top of each other in the same file and breaking things. Version control brings order and semblance to the programming world, right? But GitHub takes it to the next level by bringing in a social component 
uh, to version control. So it's not just about tracking your files, uh, you and your code. It makes the process of collaborating with other developers really simple, really easy and streamlined. And it's friendly for project managers too. They can do issue tracking and all that good stuff. So it's like a, a social hub for developers. Highly recommend it. Love it. Every dollar worth the money you'll pay for it. That all makes a lot more sense now. Interesting. I, I, it's kind of like Slack, but for programmers. And uh, you get more files that way. <laughs> so, so speaking of what you do with your programs, what are you working on these days? So these days I am working on solving the information management problem for nursing homes. So if you look at a nursing home, they have all kinds of different data that they track in a nursing home, right? You have what are the residents eating? You have what are the residents doing? Who's taking care of these residents? So it's like a calendar system. It's it's a calendar system. It distributes data about uh, the staff, who's taking care of these people, right? How do you get a hold of them? You just got to think of it like the CMS for a nursing home. That is what I'm building, a tool to help nursing homes get on top of their data and distribute it to the people that need it, where they need it, when they need it, right? Bringing the nursing homes into the 21st century with their uh, with their information management. <laughs> because everybody in the nursing home is being brought into the 21st century. What brought upon this idea, this project idea? I bumped into somebody locally who was struggling with an information management problem. They were a digital signage provider. They were operating digital signs in nursing homes. So a digital sign is like a, an information channel you would tune to on a TV, right? The, so, so it's like an auto-playing presentation from Keynote or PowerPoint. Something like that, yeah, with, with facility-specific information for the residents, okay? The issue this gentleman was having was that he was having to manually keep up with all of these activity calendars, all of these menu calendars, all of this data. And it's way more than one person can do. It's way more than even five people could do. And I mean, this involved people faxing calendars around. And I mean, faxing, I'm not making this up, faxing calendars to get them into the system and things like oh. that. It was an information nightmare, right? Way too much information, not organized. And then those players were having to be manually updated for all of these facilities with that information. It was a mess. I encountered this problem and I said, well, hey, I can I can fix that problem, right? So I built a web application that allows them to enter all of that information in one time and then it send it everywhere it need to go. The facility TV channel, the facility website, and then facility printables uh, that in some cases you're legally required to have posted, uh, for instance, in resident rooms or at nurses stations. This helps meet their legal requirements and get that data to the residents and their sponsors. You only enter it once. That's the goal, not 50 times. <laughs> Very so. nice. And it's not like they actually need all that much kind of like custom programming, but you you hit the nail on the head with something like this because this is something that all the, the nursing homes really need to use. It, like you pointed out, it saves not just hours at a time, but days at a time with all the calendar entry and the communications across staff with all the people that live at the place. I cannot believe that something like this doesn't already exist. Why is it you think that the other programs to date are so outdated? Is there really no supervision? Is there nobody working on this? Is there, this is your business goal. Like you're turning this into a business model. This is a charity work. So why is it that someone else hasn't come along and started making money off of the same idea? There are some that have, okay? But the funny thing is I did not even know we had any competitors. I tried to find a competing product using Google, and I, I consider myself an expert Googler, okay? That's how I get my job done. I could not find any competitors and didn't stumble across my first competitor uh, for months. And they've been around since 1999, right? Just kind of gives you an idea of 
first of all, it's hard to describe the problem. If I were to get on Google and try to look up what exactly this problem is, it's difficult to find a product that meets this need. So I think the other competitors do have a bit of a marketing problem on their hands. Uh, before you can market a solution, you have to be able to define what the problem is, right? I, I go back to problem spotting. Uh, you've got to be an expert at that, and I think the competitors aren't doing that. And also, I'm a firm believer in the free market when there are very few other competitors. Uh, you can get kind of laissez-faire uh, laissez with what you're doing in terms of developing your product, slip behind the times, and not keep up with the way things are changing. So. Uh, I bring the first solution that's got a modern interface that can be uh, used easily through a web browser without too much trouble anywhere in the world, without having to install programs or anything like that, uh, trying to bring them into the modern times with the way they manage their data. Awesome. Yeah, I wanted to go ahead and say I have looked at your product and I do like it. So for the sake of our listeners, the whole reason we're talking about this today is because I'm actually doing a little work behind the scenes with Josh on the design front and say I'm consulting with Josh concerning some marketing opportunities. So I wanted to give uh, my two cents of the product and uh, with a disclaimer that I am also working with Josh on the product. My thoughts are first impressions mostly only saw the product I guess it was the day before yesterday. We've been in talk about it for a couple of weeks now I guess but it's a good tool. I really like what we are looking at here. It kind of reminds me of a site CMS entry data. So you go into a post where you're going to add the calendar event or the meal plan for breakfast, lunch, and dinner today. And you have free reign in a text box to put whatever you are going to put in there. And, and then you're able to customize things like the backgrounds, the, the time that it, that the digital sign is going to project this part of the presentation. And then you don't have to worry about animations, transitions, or music. You can get a little fiddly with that if you're fussy about it and choose background images. And I'm sure eventually Josh is going to let you customize some of the other details, like maybe, I don't know, fonts or sizes, whatever, titles and paragraph text. It's not introduced right now. But what I liked about what I saw, Josh, is that it just works. Like uh, we were kidding earlier about Apple products. I, I, I can see how the system is able to manage gobs and gobs of data for every calendar event, for all the for the people that you're communicating with. You, you don't just have meals and events, but you also, like you said, you have stuff concerning the staff and where they're going to be. And it, it's impressive, really, to me that something like this isn't already in use, as you described how it compares to uh, the competitors. It really makes a lot of sense. And I can see how things like this is used in banks and maybe even some hotels and other event centers. And it's, uh, it's very useful. What was the inspiration for the product? Where did you get exposed to the idea of this sort of signage for nursing homes? I bumped into a cable veteran here in my county. He actually built the county's first cable system back in the 70s and 80s, and he was working as a consultant for a nursing home management company on doing the digital signage. So it was through him that I became aware of the problem. As far as how to solve the problem, I've been building back-end data management tools for years. I mean, for everything from party rental companies to truck tracking to you name it, I may have built it, right? Uh, so I knew the way I wanted to solve the problem. It was just a matter of hearing it, knowing I had the solution, putting the two together and running with it. Uh, I do want to hit on this point. You mentioned the simplicity. There have been a few times where we've added buttons. I've taken them back out. I've implemented something one way. I've gone back on that and done it a different way. My whole goal here was to make it absolutely as easy to use, make decisions in advance for these people, because a lot of times you'll the people who are actually interacting with the product are not tech savvy, okay? 
Uh, your typical activity director is going to be probably between 40 to 60 years old. Some of them don't like to use computers. They, I've had quite a few times they would tell me, I'm not tech savvy. I'm not going to be able to use this. And I said, don't worry. I'll have you trained in 10 minutes. And pretty much consistently, we hit that goal every time. People that weren't even tech savvy were able to pick up the product and use it. The goal was to do the exact opposite of what the WordPress dashboard does, which I think is is like way overkill. I can't stand it. Yeah. There, yeah. It's like a button factory exploded, right? <laughs> right, it, it is. <laughs> Trying to get away from that and keeping it very, very simple. That was the goal, and I'm hoping we're hitting it or at least getting close uh, to doing that. What you need now is you need to be able to communicate your story. You need to be able to find your customers and get the word out there because you already have a pretty solid, I guess, version 1.0. Would you call this a version 1.0? Absolutely. This is a, well, it's really even a beta product. I mean, we're constantly adding features uh, during the day when these people are using things. I'll do production pushes and it's constantly evolving because it is a software as a service product. So uh, the customers subscribe to uh, always getting the latest version and not having to fiddle with updates or any of that. So it's always on the move, always updating. It's kind of a beta product right now. Uh, I would not call this complete, and I'm not sure it ever will be complete. We'll probably always be refining it and improving it. Well, I should hope so. No product is so good that uh, you, you cannot go in there and change something about it. You got to build and analyze. Exactly. Okay, so given the nature of your product, Josh, I was wondering, with tech products like these, is there anything like Kickstarter for developers that want to get their product out there? I mean, I know Kickstarter is mostly full of artists and guys that are introducing hardware. Uh, surely there's people out there trying to introduce software or something like software with something like Kickstarter. Can you see something like that being used to, to get this product into the doors of customers that really, really need it? And it's not like you're trying to cram down your wonderful product down people's throats and make them pay up. I'm just saying this is a good product and it would really answer a need. There's a lot of value to it. So is that been considered? Wow. I mean, I hadn't even considered such a concept. I'm sure it could bring value. <laughs> Yeah, like, I, I don't even know. I mean, it, it's silly. I feel silly that I know so much about Kickstarter, but it's not occurred to me. Why isn't software Kickstarter? Wow. I don't know. That's a great, great question. I don't know why. Sounds like your next project. Oh, there we go. Josh, get on it. <laughs> you can build your own software developers Kickstarter. Exactly. Hmm. Maybe that'll be the, the next adventure. Who knows? <laughs> oh, well. So are you thinking about what you would do with this product uh, two, three years down the road? Do you think you'll hand off the coding work to someone else so you can design something else, move on and add to your programming empire? That would be the eventual goal. I'd like to always maintain the skill of programming, but as far as earning my bread and butter with programming, that's probably not the long-term goal. So the long-term goal would be to evolve into more of a CTO type position where I can make business decisions that are directly related to the way that the programming happens, okay? or the way the technologies we're gonna use, how we're gonna do our architecture, things like that. But I don't want to be just programming forever. <laughs> but right now it's paying the bills and uh, we'll, we'll keep moving with that till something better comes along. Uh, but that is where I'm moving. That's the direction I'm heading in. Related to the idea of uh, the work you've already done, the programming you've already got under your belt, a lot of this wasn't just programming, this was some design work. There are graphics in here. I mean, we're talking about something that is, is shown on something like a flat screen, plasma TV or, you know, whatever, OLED, whatever you got these days in a lobby, and you know, in the nursing home. And I've seen these kinds of graphics also for cruise ships. Check out cruises, uh, cruise companies and see if they want your product as well, because they could show those on the television sets in all the rooms of the entire cruise ship. 
Where did, where did you get the graphics for these? Did you make it yourself? What kind of background did you have for the graphics work? I, I know good design when I see it, but I do not pretend to be a designer. I'll leave that to folks like yourself, right? As far as the design goes on this, this is just a bare bones admin panel layout. That's just like every other admin panel you'll see except stripped down to the bones, okay? The interface itself was built on top of Bootstrap. So what you see is, is just basically Bootstrap components. But again, very much simple, clean, but simple, minimal, to the point, Bootstrap. So if you if you go to a developer and ask them a web developer about Bootstrap, they would know what this was. It's a uh, like a web front end framework. I use that, and then if you use something like that, an engineer composes a designer and, and produce a decent looking product uh, without having all the Photoshop experience or anything like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't, I don't even have a copy of Photoshop. All of my graphics editing is done in GIMP or Inkscape, so that kind of gives you an idea. <laughs> uh, that, that's not my trade, right? Not my thing. Awesome. How do you like GIMP? Uh, GIMP is nice. I mean, it's a very powerful tool. Uh, my dad used to have a, an old adage. He would say, look, for an artist, it's about the skill, not the tools. And the more I got along in life, the more I realized there is a lot of truth to that. Now, Photoshop can make a lot of things easier. Hmm. But before you go out buying things, learn to use the GIMP, right? There's a lot it can do before you move on to Photoshop. So, oh, yeah. Um, I used to do some 3D modeling and animation back in the day. Did that with Blender. <laughs> I would do my textures in the GIMP, put it all together, didn't spend a dime on software, and you could produce some decent stuff that way. So what have you done so far as marketing and networking and getting this product to customers? What are they saying? Um, you know, What kind of feedback are you getting? So as far as marketing, that is the weakest link of this right now. Like you said earlier, uh, when you do some Google searches, you can't find any of your competitors, yet they exist out there. Well, by that same token, you probably can't find me either. So that's the the basic issue is now taking the concept and simplifying that, okay? And that's what I'm trying to figure out, trying to find people who can help me crack that nut. Because you're right, just like you can't find my competitors, you can't find me. And that would be the next problem that needs to be uh, solved. As far as marketing uh, a lot of these nursing homes are centralized. So you'll have one central management corporation, okay? And yep. within that management corporation, they're making the buying decisions on behalf of quite a few nursing homes. And that's exactly what happened here. Mm -hmm. We're interacting with one with a management company that has 47 facilities. Uh, that means you you market the product and get it working with the management company, and then that rolls out to all of those facilities. And I just have the one client right now uh, that's actually using this, but it's a bunch of facilities within that one management group. The goal is to get beyond that, find new clients and find new people that would find value here, maybe even in other verticals. I've considered chamber of commerces, uh, perhaps hotels, you know, any any places you can think of that are event based, activity based, meal based. This would be a turnkey solution that just makes it simple. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Let me manage my data and get out of my way. <laughs> we got things to do. Right. So that first client basically paid you to develop it and now you own it and can license it to other folks? That's correct. So I gave them a reduced rate in exchange for subsidizing the cost of development. So it works out well for them and that they have one of the cheapest solutions on the market. Very nice. And it worked out well for me that I now have a product that I hold the rights to and I can take it wherever I want to take it. Very, very, very nice. And that's how I was actually able to exit my W-2 job was as soon as I had a contract in hand, send a letter over to my employer and I said, okay, I'm a uh, I'm going to go be a consultant now. <laughs> and it worked. Awesome. Well, awesome. I do like all that we've already covered. We've got the product down. We've got Josh down, what your your aspirations are, where you're approaching business. 
I'd like to know more about your tools, what you use to get the work done. You are a Mac and a PC guy, like we alluded to. You use the Mac for programming. You got some servers. Uh, what all do you got going on here, Joshua? So we'll start with the hardware. I use a late 2013 MacBook Pro with the Retina display. Once I saw the Retina display, I pretty much realized I am never going to be able to buy a standard Mac or a MacBook Air ever again until they take these things to retinas, right? I can't unsee the crisp and the, the clearness of the screens. Uh, so I use, a, I use a MacBook Pro with Retina. I've got the big 15-inch. Love it. Have you made the mistake of looking at a 5K iMac? You know, I haven't yet, mainly because I, I don't think my pocketbook would like me very much if I did that. So <laughs> exactly. I mean, I love the Mac displays. OK, I'm a huge fan of them. So that is my laptop, MacBook Pro 15 inch Retina. I have a development server here that's actually Debian Linux command line. Got my little Linux box back in the corner. And then all of these digital signs are actually driven by micro windows 8 stick pcs now i'm sure the listeners are thinking wait what <laughs> i mean because this is something that kind of blew my mind when i discovered that such a thing existed so the history of digital signage okay is that people would set up a pc i mean I think like a dell tower or an hp tower plug it into a flat screen monitor in a lobby and that was your digital sign you have this big clunky computer that has to be hooked into this monitor well, as the years have gone on, the technology has gotten smaller and smaller and smaller. And now on Amazon Prime for 129 bucks, you can get a micro Windows 8 PC that will plug directly into the HDMI port, just like a Chromecast. It's got the identical form factor to a Chromecast, but it's got an x86 processor and can run normal apps like Skype or Firefox or any number of apps in Windows. So our digital signs are literally Windows 8 PCs that are Internet Explorer in full screen. And we've got, um, I'm up to 13 that are in the field right now, working on 14 and 15 that should come online here in the next few weeks. It's a bunch of Windows 8 computers. So to recap, software is written on the Mac, it's out in the cloud running on a Linux server, and it's being consumed on a bunch of Windows 8 PCs out in the field. So that's our hardware. Uh, have, you, have, you, have you thought uh, or considered going even cheaper with like a, like a Raspberry Pi and, and running uh, running running everything with that. I mean, you could probably save 50 bucks per stick. Absolutely. So the base Raspberry Pi model has a difficult time rendering these graphics on the fly. There's a little bit of mm. lag when you're doing a 1080p display. The Raspberry Pi can't quite do it, but there is a new micro PC that's being funded on Kickstarter right now. I think it's called the Pine 64, and it's got a 64-bit chip, and it's $15. <laughs> so if they get funded and that's successful, I could totally see using that uh, that PC for all my digital signs. It cost me you know, probably less than $50 after you got the power supply of the case, all that good stuff. Uh, so yes. yes, I'm interested in going down that route at some point. Uh, as far as software goes, I'm a big proponent of Firefox. Now, that doesn't mean I won't use Chrome or Safari, but I really like the Mozilla Foundation, okay? <laughs> so I put up with nice. Firefox even during its uh, slow, sluggish days. I still use Firefox. I love it. Um, for my time tracking, I use an app. You can get it on the Mac App Store called Timekeeper. I use that to keep track of how long I'm spending on things, and I love it. It's a real simple app. It doesn't get in your way. Um, we've talked about Git. I use Git. I use iTerm and I use Sublime. That's my primary editor. Chat on Skype, do graphics and Inkscape and Gump. That pretty much sums it up. Make sense? <laughs> yeah. So you, you said earlier, though, that you're using Timekeeper for your time tracking. 
go a little bit more into that because I love this nerdy topic. Yeah, so time tracking is one of the most important skills that a developer or any consultant, freelance, anybody, if you work on service-based stuff, you have to find a good timekeeper and finding one is, I mean, that is a tricky task. Well, I finally found one I like. And so what timekeeper does is it's real simple. You have a window where you type in what you're doing and you hit start tracking. And what it does is it keeps a report going every time you start and stop the clock of what you've been working on. And that's literally all it does. It doesn't have any other bells and whistles. It doesn't get in the way. You can change between tasks up in the Mac uh, menu bar very easily. So you can you can move from one project to the next without a lot of fidgeting. Uh, it just tracks time and gets out of the way, which is exactly what I want. I prefix my time entries with whatever the client is that I'm working on so I can sort it. Uh, but it doesn't have a lot of bells and whistles. It does what I want, gets out of the way. Awesome. I'd recommend too, uh, if uh, the day comes that you are looking for something to add new granularity and different like data points, then look at rescue time. Maybe uh, for whatever reason, you just want to try something else. Uh, I'm using rescue time and I'm really happy with its results as well. And so we'll have links to the, both of those if you want to check them out in the show notes. Okay. So it doesn't sound like you have a very complicated app tool setup then what would you like to do with your setup then in the future? If anything, do you think that you're satisfied with the current results you get with these apps and these programs, the, the languages you use, like you said earlier, JavaScript with uh, the Mac PC and Linux uh, arrangement? Or do you think that you're going to have to move away from that in the near future for any particular reason? I could see myself simplifying further, but to understand where I'm at now, you have to understand where I came from. I was back in my younger days, reformatting my computer every couple days to try new Linux distributions, to try the hottest stuff, and you never get anything done doing that. <laughs> so what's basically happened here is I found a setup that works. It allows me to get done what I need to get done quickly, okay? It may not be the cool kids tool. Like a good example is all of my backends are written in PHP, and that is no longer the cool kid language. It hasn't been in probably a decade. All the cool guys are using Rails or they're using Node.js or something like that. Uh, I've stuck with PHP, it gets the job done, it does it quickly, and I don't feel the need to go out and, and use the latest tool just because. If the customer will pay you uh, and the solution works and it's secure, stick with what works, right? And Facebook would agree with me that PHP is still capable of doing that. So that is what I use right now hmm. and probably won't change unless something breaks. So when the day comes, though, well, how do you think you're going to acquire new skills while you make a transition with your products? Uh, do you foresee that happening? And you said like you're, you're this whiz with Google. Is that what you're, how you're going to approach it? You're just going to sit yourself down someday and you know, determine today I'm going to learn Ruby on Rails if the day comes? Great question. So kind of like where you don't develop a product without a customer. I learned that rule actually from a podcast that Joshua shared with me where you build the product in response to a, uh, a solution. You don't just go develop a solution and then try to match it to customers that need it. You go the other way, right? Find the customer first, then build the solution. I have the exact same view on um, programming languages where I will learn them when the project requires that specific skill. So a good example would be I encountered a client that needed help on their mobile app and they used Titanium, which is like a, a JavaScript tool for developing mobile applications. And I learned Titanium <laughs> and then ended up using it for all my future mobile projects because I liked it so much. Once the money's there, okay, if the money is there, then I will follow that money and learn whatever languages are associated to fulfill the project requirements. I'll, I'll do it on a on a cash will prove this is valuable basis. 
Well, then my last question for you then, Josh, what do you think is next for you on the horizon? You want to market your product, you want to get it out there, but is there anything on the back burner that you're working on that you're interested in that you're tinkering with uh, other ideas that you're exploring? Yeah, absolutely. So I've talked about this sort of micro computing revolution we're heading into where you can get computers now for $15 a piece. I have discovered that those computers can be used to track with GPS is just about anything, which means all of these expensive enterprise tools that people used for tracking everything from police cars to EMS to you name it, they can be done much cheaper now. Probably my next adventure will be to build software products that give small towns like mine the ability to afford technologies the big towns have uh, for coordinating their dispatch operations. So I discovered, for instance, that all the cop cars here have MiFi's in them and they're already internet connected. So literally the only thing that needs to be done is a, a cheap GPS goes in those cars. Now the 911 dispatcher can tell where all of their cop cars are uh, and it can be done very inexpensively with what they already have. Again, it's back to problem spotting. I, I came up with so many of these ideas. I had to, a friend told me to start keeping a notebook, just constantly writing stuff down when I see it. So something like that, there's there's quite a few others that I've got, but that that may be my next adventure. We'll see where we go. I'm really surprised <laughs> that police vehicles do not already have some sort of GPS. That That's really kind of mind-blowing. So you get out into the middle of nowhere, Alabama, and the budgets are limited. They just simply can't afford what the bigger guys can afford in, mm. say, in Atlanta or a Dallas or something like that. So again, it's a problem, right? Take yep. it, condense it down, make it simple, make it really easy to use. I think it's an easy sell. And they've got the MiFi's. They're already paying for the internet. It's just a matter of putting the two together. Hmm. Excellent. Um, yeah, and that makes complete sense. What you were just saying, like, yeah, of course, some of the big cities folk, they've, they've got it for their police departments. You can see why it doesn't trickle down because all the developers and all the money is vested in the big cities and uh, not making it to your town. Exactly. Well, Joshua, this has been very fun. I guess that's going to wrap it up for this week. Thank you so much. Where can people find you, learn more about what you're working on? Where should they check out SignPilot and see where this all heads? You can... Get me on Twitter. It's Zetageek, Z-E-T-T-A, Geek. Zetageek on Twitter. I'm also on Facebook, Joshua.Lambert. You can visit my website, joshlambert.co. And it would be .com, but some other guy beat me to it. <laughs> I still haven't forgiven him for that yet. <laughs> yeah, that's the way it goes. Co is pretty good. .io is kind of popular among the developers. I love .io. I don't love the .io price though. Man, you know. No, no. And I, don't get me started about the .fm. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, you don't want to know about the renewal prices. They're way worse. Exactly. All right. Well, thanks, Josh. I really appreciate you joining us on the show. We'll have you back again sometime. Follow up, see how it's going. All right. Excellent. Look forward to being back. I forget to mention the website URL though. Oh, okay. Sorry. Go for it. You can find my product at signpilot.com. We have our uh, digital signage solution sort of outlined up there along with all the, uh, or we'll soon have all the information about what we're doing. So, uh, hey, maybe somebody listening will see some value in this. I don't know. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure that's what they do. They they play our show in the nursing homes. This is what people listen oh, to. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> So thanks for joining us for episode 41 of the podcast. Show notes are available at tectonic.fm slash 41, where you'll get all the links to everything that we discussed. The show is at tectonic.fm on Twitter. I'm underscore Joe Darnell. My co-host is at Joshua Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer spelled P-E-I-F-F-E-R. 
And like I said, our guest, he is Zeta Geek. That's Z-E-T-T-A Geek. If you want to uh, show your support for the show, head on over to iTunes and give us a star rating. And if you want to email us, send your messages to me. That is at joe at tectonic.fm. I am Joe Darnell. Thanks for listening to Tectonic. Goodbye. All right. Well, thanks, Joshua. Uh, ah, so many Joshuas. Uh, let me say that again.